Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to the Patriot Nation Podcast. All right, welcome into another edition of the Patriot Nation podcast brought to you by FanDuel. Go to FanDuel.com slash Boston to sign up today. Of course, it is P, uh, CLNS is uh, official sports wagering partner. Uh, it's your boy Pat, as always, with my guy Matt, who you can hear him in New York City. Uh, the cops are flying around out there. So you want to know what's going on up here, Pat? I got the notification about it earlier. Some There's some movie set or TV set or something that's a couple of blocks down from me, and they had an explosion tonight, like a pre-planned one. That's so but cool. It, it was it was loud earlier. <laughs> I forgot that's to warn my sick. girlfriend, and she was like, hey, what was that? Did you hear that? I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, that was... That was an explosion, but it was intentional. <laughs> I'm a fan of that. I'm a fan of that. I like that. So, yeah. hopefully, um, the sirens are not related to that. <laughs> let's hope not. Yes, let's hope that would be bad. Um, so, here we are, last week of the season. Um, man, it's it's been a long year. It's been a long year. It's a lot of questions about Bill Belichick that we're not going to really answer any of those questions tonight. I, I just like, and we'll talk about it a little bit, but. We've done you know, a whole song and dance for three, four months now. <laughs> we've done it for too long, and it just we're we're getting sick of goal at this point. And you know, you hear all the guys, and and by the way, there was a lot of poo pooing of Phil Perry on Twitter this week, and I'm like, what? Shut your mouth about Phil Perry, like you know, <laughs> the mayor. That's, no, he's he's fantastic, and I don't care what anyone else says. Um, some other people that were talking on on CBS Sports Boston, maybe not, but nevertheless, uh, here's the thing. No one knows anything. Nobody knows, right? Like, maybe he's done. Maybe he's not. Maybe the crafts are done with him. Maybe they're not. Maybe he wants to come back. Maybe he wants to go somewhere. No one knows, right? And and Bill's certainly not going to tell anyone, right? He's, you go, <laughs> I love how he said, like, I'm not going to announce anything. If I announce anything, I'll announce it on Twitter or MySpace or whatever. <laughs> it's just my like face. My face my is face. his like, favorite. I love it. It's just so good. And and But that's his attitude. He, that's the way he's always been. That's the way he's always going to be. He's never going to tell you what he's doing, right? And him and the him and Robert and you know, and I assume uh, Jonathan will sit down and they'll talk about it and they'll come to a decision. And I would be, I know it's one of those it's one of those hard things, man, because you don't want to see. You get to this point where you have to actually pull the trigger and you get a little gun shy. People have been talking about all year. We want Belichick gone. He's got to go. He's got to go. And now all of a sudden you see it turning a little bit. Wait a second. It looks pretty good. It's hard to pull that plug, right? It's really hard. I don't know if Robert Kraft will, will do it eventually. I wouldn't be surprised if he did, but like 
Yeah. I wouldn't be, I, the only the only thing that would surprise me is if Bill Belichick came back and still has one hundred percent full control over the GM duties. That would surprise me. Outside of that, nothing else would surprise me. And it's you know I think there's good arguments for a lot of things here too. Um, so you know we're we're probably gonna we may not know the full picture, but we're gonna have an idea a, yeah. a week from now, less than a week from now. We're yep. coming right up on it. So speculation at this point i feel like is kind of right. useless we're so close to finding out that yeah just wait five days black monday right like you know yeah and you know what i what i will say is the weather forecast for sunday is calling for snow they're playing the jets at home and if this is bill's last game as head coach of the new england patriots i don't think there's a better way to go out than by beating the jets at home in the snow like that. I mean, that'd be that'd be that'd be a nice if if that's how it ends up going out. That's as nice a way to put a bow on it, I think, as you can get in a season that's gone this poorly. Hundred percent. And you might drop from three to five if that's the case. So be it. So be it. Yeah. Three to five. It's not. It's not the end of the world. Or four. Theoretically, yeah. you can get two, but like I don't know. I, I think that two is difficult. We, we can, you know what I mean? Yeah, we can get into the tiebreakers, but you know, I think with where we are and the way the draft is, I'm just going to root for the Pats and let the let the, the chips fall where they may at this point. Yeah. Uh, it's one game for the past. There's a lot of moving pieces here. Mm -hmm. A lot of things up in the air. Um, but Jared Grill asked, I think this is a good question. How soon do you guys think decisions will be made after the game? I think that if Bill is going to be fired, straight up fired, yeah. we will find out within the first two or three days. I don't think it'll take that long. Right. I also don't think that's what happens no. um, because I think he has enough value left that they would trade him. Um, I assume they'd be able to work out a deal like that. And if that's the case, I think we will probably know enough to know that he's gone and will be traded, but we might not have a destination. It might not be official yet. If he's going to be back, if there's silence, then that means, you know, I feel like that means he's coming back. Um, but also I think the thing that makes this a little bit both, Com more complicated in some ways, but also simpler for the team. The, I think they feel like they have the next guy in-house in Gerard Mayo. So they can take their time a little bit more. If their right. next hire is a guy inside the building, they don't have to fire Bill Belichick on Monday so that they can get into the head coaching search on Tuesday. They, they don't have to do that. Um, right. So we'll we'll see how it goes. But I, I think we'll get we'll get whispers and rumors, you know, the direction quickly. Actual answers probably take a little bit of time. Yeah, I agree. I, I can't imagine him getting fired. I mean, that would be the one shocking thing to me it, for, for them to just outright fire him. There's no way that a team, I don't care what team it is, wouldn't step in and say, we'll send you a third round pick. We'll send you a, what, whatever the case may be. And I, I think the, I think the only way you're, you're straight up firing him here is if the teams that he would want to go to are teams that are unwilling to trade for him. So like, let's say the only teams that are willing to trade for him are Washington and Carolina, and he doesn't want to go to either of those spots with, I mean, you know, you see what's going on in Carolina these days. I don't know who to want to go there. Correct. Um, if he's like, I'm not going to coach either of those spots. And the only other team left is like the chargers. And that's where he wants to go or whatever it ends up being. Then, you know, maybe you see of him being fired or let go from his contract. It'll be a mutual parting of ways. It'll be how it's, how it's yeah. phrased. I don't think, I don't think there's a world where Black Monday comes and, and Kraft puts out a two sentence statement saying, "Thanks, Bill, you're gone." Like, yeah, I don't, I there's that, that would be happening. insane. Yeah, no, no way, because he'd lose 
you know, he's all about the PR as well. And so, like, I feel like he might be in a situation where if he can't find a trading partner for Bill, that he might just say, screw it, I'm running with him again. Um, you know what I mean? Like, I think he would rather keep him than fire him. If he can, if he can send him off to where he wants to go, whether who, wherever that might be, that's a different story. But I, I can't imagine him sticking around firing him. Yeah, um, and you know, it's. I think the only the only real credible reporting we've gotten on this was the Ian Rappaport stuff, where he was talking about how Kraft wants to make sure that this is handled with class, no matter what happens. Right, and. Um, yeah, I think that's uh, that's fully back set up. Um, but even like I, I still remember after the Pats Titans game, how it kind of felt like all right, that was it for Brady. You could just kind of tell that was it based on the vibe and the way things were handled. And think if Bill's gonna be gone, it'll be kind of obvious on that front. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So, so we'll see. We'll see. And, and you know, and I think, and again, I understand we all want to lose for the number for the number two pick, right? Number one's been clinched by Chicago. We'd all love to get that number two pick. I don't blame you for feeling that way. And again, I think what's hard is that some people look at it and say, well, if you want the Patriots to lose, you're not a Patriots fan. And that's just, that's foolish. Like these people that are rooting for the Patriots to lose are rooting for the Patriots to lose because they want a better draft pick. And that makes perfect sense. But again, you're talking about, I think it's unrealistic that they get to two. It's possible. But they need a lot of things to go right for that to happen. I think Atlanta beating New Orleans is just – I don't think that's going to happen. Good. But I don't think it's going to happen. Um, and so – and then if that happens, you still need two other games to go to your way. If that doesn't happen, you need all four of the games. It's just like – it just seems lot. unrealistic. Now, you know, if some of the games had broken your way last week, I think you'd have a better chance at it. So you're talking about realistically dropping from three to five. Or f- and that's probably and, probably and, four. I, I went through I was playing with it, and I feel like there's a decent chance they just kind of end up at four. Well, the Chargers, so. the Chargers right now, so the Chargers have the same record as them, but a, but a worse strength of schedule. I was playing around with the simulator earlier, and yeah, I I put in what my predictions for the games would have been, and I had the Pats ending up at the fourth pick. Yeah, and so and so that's the thing is that even if they win, they still might. So you're talking about winning the last game. Theoretically, if it's Belichick's last game as a Patriot, winning the last game in a snow game against the Jets at home and dropping from pick three to four. That's that's, just, yeah. that's really not that's not a big deal, right? Dropping from three to four. Yeah, especially because if you were going to be at three regardless, uh, getting one of those top two quarterbacks, you have to trade up for. And right. I think the team at three in this scenario might be Arizona that comes back ahead of you or something. I don't, I don't remember who yeah. it would be. Um, but if that's who it is, I don't think they're taking the quarterback. They're probably just taking Marvin Harrison Jr. And like, it kind of stinks that you might not get the top receiver, but right. you know, there are, there are th- at least three receivers in this class. So I think would be the wide receiver oh, yeah. one in almost any other class. So I agree. for as good as it's funny to say that you, I, I don't not worried about missing out on Marvin Harrison jr, but I'm really not. That's how good these guys are. Well, that's what's crazy, right? I think we found Murph Murph's burner, by the way, he said, Joe, <laughs> Joe, Alt, Joe Alt at six, eight, he's been banging the oh, Joe all drunk for quite a while. Yeah. Well, um, this yeah. kind of, this is It's going to be the whole theme of the draft too. what this team needs quarterback wide receiver, left tackle. All right. three things, like the, the order of need, I think, on those for the Patriots is QB, wide receiver, and left tackle. 
but the quality of the prospects where they pick might be tackle wide receiver QB. And it's just, you know, how do you, how right. do you balance that? Well, um, that's the hard part. And the other thing you got to think about is this, the bears have the number one pick. It sounds like, it sounds like the bears are sticking with Justin Fields. Are they? Arizona, most likely if you win Arizona, most likely is going to jump you. They get to three probably. If that's the case, Jonathan Gannon came out and said, we are sticking with Kyler Murray. Now, he probably will take Marvin Harrison Jr. or will want to take Marvin Harrison Jr. But that's another opportunity where you're talking about the number one and the number three pick. If you're at four, the number one and the number three pick might be looking to move back. And the number three pick, if let's just say, hypothetically, let's just say that, you know, whatever, both quarterbacks don't go one-two. I think I think that's going to happen. I think the commanders are going to take a quarterback at two, most likely. And I think that whoever trades up with the Bears is going to take a quarterback number number one, unless the Bears stick there and take Marvin Harrison Jr. I don't know, right? But, I think that, I still think the Bears stay and take a quarterback, which they I might. They which they might. It just it sounds you know, like they're sticking with Fields. But either way, let's just say that one of those quarterbacks is still on the board at three. Arizona is not taking them. They know you yeah. want them. So you give them something to move up from four to three. It's not the end of the world. They move back and draft the guy they're going to draft at three anyways and pick up extra, pick up extra, you know, draft capital and get him for cheaper than they would have gotten him at three. So like yeah. it's it's a no-brainer move for Arizona. They get the guy they want and they pick up extra draft capital, and then you draft the guy that you want at three. Now, again, that means that one of the top two teams aren't taking a quarterback, but we'll see what happens. The other option is. Michael Penix Jr. is there. He's not going in the top five. What if you... He might. He might. Let me, he, by, let the, me by tell the time you everything's done, he might. You, you're he, right about that. Because this is the thing. The issue with, There's two issues with Penix. It's you know what he does against certain defenses and what his medicals are going to be. And if his medicals check out of the combine and there's no issues there, and he does to Texas... Sorry, he does to Michigan next Monday what he just did to Texas, Yeah, he's not making it out of the top 15 of that draft. There's just point. no way. Um, Which is true. Yeah. And... Yeah, so that makes it makes it tough. The other thing here, I just I saw I saw a Green Bay or a Chicago guy talking about this, but the whole Fields thing. The Bears play the Packers this week. And the Packers need to win to get into the playoffs. Yep. And the Packers have an awful defense, and if Justin Fields goes in there and tears that defense apart, which isn't that crazy because it's an awful defense, Bryce Young tore it apart mm-hmm. and knocks the Packers out of the playoffs. Emotionally, it might be hard for them to move on. And if there's a world here where the Patriots are at four, but the Bears stick with Fields and the Cardinals are ahead of them and they stick with um, Kyler Murray and they might just stick there and take somebody and not trade back, then you're just worried about who the commanders take. And if you're worried about who they take, you can jump up to one and try to jump them for something. Uh, It'll be expensive, obviously, but if you like one of the top two guys enough – Right. Um, and let me—I know I've been a May hater on here for a while now, and I've finally come around on him. I've watched a lot of his tape recently <laughs> while figuring this out, and like, yeah, taking taking some of the context into account too. The UNC coaches are not any good, and that's one of the reasons I think you saw some of the issues that he dealt with. But he is—he does all the things Caleb Williams does when it comes to like creativity. But he's a bigger body, and he turns the ball over less. He's mm-hmm. got some issues. Like he's not perfect or anything. He's not. He's not like the generational prospect, but he's a guy who really could go number one in this draft if that's the way you want to go. Um, right. 
I also so, I I don't uh, know, yeah. man. I'm I'm really I really think for me that when you look at what the Patriots have, well, they're at five. And, and I, I'm curious about these quarterbacks. I mean, listen, everyone goes nuts about quarterbacks, but how far is Jaden Daly going to go up? Or how far is Jaden Daly going to fall? Right? I know Lamar's in the league now, right? But, like, do people are people going to buy into Jaden Daniels? Are people going to buy into Michael Penix? Are people going to buy into even Drake May, right? Are you going to look at the uniform and think, man, they played against some bad defenses. And, yeah, he's got a good arm and, and he's good under pressure and he makes good throws, but, like, can really trust him to be the guy, right? Even Caleb Williams, who has the, you know, character concerns about, you know, well, he cares too much and he's crying and he paints his nails. It's like, shut up, but whatever, right? Let's just say, let's just say that, like, something crazy happens and some of those guys drop and you move back in the first round. You could still move back to nine and draft one of those guys. You just need one of them to drop. You don't need all of them to drop. You just need one of those guys to drop. And if you're sold on a guy like Jaden Daniels and you know the guys in front of you aren't taking him, you drop to nine, pick up some extra draft capital, and draft him at nine. You I, know, I, I don't know if that's that. going to happen, but I just think it's it's I, one I, of those I, things. We just don't know how it's going to play out. I do know I, the only team recently, like the last decade, uh, this is actually just a little bit over a decade now that has traded back in the first round and taken a quarterback was the Bills in 2013 with EJ Manuel. Yeah, no, uh, no idea. Didn't work yeah, out. and they traded back quite a bit and still picked him up. Yeah. So I think I think these QBs are going to be in high demand. I think if you, you're the Patriots and you like a quarterback enough to think they're a franchise guy, you don't overcomplicate it. If they're there when you're on the board, you take them. And if you think they're going to go before you're on the board, you explore trading up and see what you can do. Um, right. And, and see... Yeah, I mean, I also think, too, like, yeah. what was it, 2021 was the first time that four quarterbacks have been taken. Was it four? Five quarterbacks got taken in the four. first in the first 15, right? Like yeah, four got taken in the top 10 because Fields was 10. Three, right? three in the top three, the first three picks yes. were quarterback. That's usually pretty rare. Um, so I'm, I'm curious to see how this quarterback class gets evaluated, too, because I think outside of May and Williams, there's a lot of eye of the beholder stuff. Mm-hmm. Jaden Daniels. We saw what he did this season. There are real question marks there. His production was awesome. I think there are injury concerns there. He doesn't protect his body. There's concerns about how he's going to do with the worst supporting cast. Um, Michael Penix, obviously the injury concerns. And let's see how he looks in his next game. J.J. Right. Uh, McCarthy, while we're talking about the next game in the college football playoffs, I thought played very well against Alabama. Is still yeah. very much a project-type quarterback who you probably want to sit for a year before he's going to be starting for you. Yeah. Is somebody going to take a chance on that in round one or are, is that going to drop until round two? Uh, and, you know, Bo Nix enters this conversation. I don't think he's a round one guy, but all it takes is one team out there liking him enough to say, Hey, we want to grab him at 31 or, or wherever it ends up being because, you know, he's got some high level traits and he's accurate. He doesn't right. turn the ball over. He's good in the pocket. Uh, and he's a guy who's going to the senior bowl now which I'm really curious to see how he looks in that environment with a very different offense. Uh, that, that could be, that could be telling. And I think, I don't think we, I think we probably end up seeing four quarterbacks taken in the first round, but which four and the actual order of them, I have right. no idea. Well, that's the thing. And and look, things change so dramatically, which is why it's funny doing, it's funny looking back at some of the mock drafts that you had. I think it was, 
either my first or second mock draft for the offseason. It might have been my second mock draft for the offseason. I had the Patriots taking Darnell right at like 45, right? And he goes number nine overall because, you know, at that point, he hadn't shot up the draft boards, right? And then he goes to the combine and everyone's looking at him like, oh my God, this guy's a beast. And he gets taken number nine by the Bears, right? And so, and it's played pretty well his rookie year. So, you know, you just never know how things are going to play out. And especially now when you're going through the rankings, it's just like, we don't know. We haven't seen them. Then some guy goes to the combine and doesn't run well and, he, and his stock drops. Yeah. Or runs well and his stock goes up. You know, like, it's just, yeah. well, I, you don't know what's going to happen. And I can pretty much guarantee at this point in the process that if there's a guy you like, who's sitting there at pick 34 or whatever in your mock draft. So you're taking, right. he's probably not going to be there when the actual That's draft correct. comes around. Usually this is where the people start catching up on who those guys who are sneaking around are. And they end up going way higher than you think. Right. Um, well, so, I just did, I just did a mock draft. I want to talk about the mock draft in a minute, but the mock draft I did, I, I took Jatavian Sanders at 68, the, the tight end from Texas. There's no chance he's going to be available at 68. I mean, Luke Schumann well, got, just got taken at like 45. There's no way well, he's, He's the type of guy, too. He's either going in, like, the 30s or 40s, or he's going to drop into, like, the 80s or 90s, and it's all going to be dependent on what his testing is because he's, like, right. a little bit of a unique player out there. Yeah. Um, but, so yeah, he's – yeah, just as a general statement for your mock drafts, and this is a lesson I've learned the hard way time and time and time again. If you're counting on somebody being there at a spot and you think he's a steal at that spot, he's probably not. Probably not going to end up being there, and the the draft evaluators are probably smarter than whatever the board is on the mock draft machine you're using. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, and Danny Danny Stanford says that saw someone did the probability of which pick will have if they win. Fifty four percent chance for pick number four, thirty percent chance for pick number three, and then ten percent chance for pick number five. So I'm not sure what happened to the other six percent there, but you know it's around there somewhere. I'm sure. Um, yeah, but maybe six percent, seven. I think they can technically still get. No, they, we're we're rooting yeah, for yeah, we're rooting for the NFC East home teams this weekend too, because you know a Washington win helps you out a ton. Of course, uh, yeah. When it comes to this, and also an Eagles win will uh, sorry, an Eagles win, the Giants win will push them back and over the Eagles and mean right. that we they can't beat us in a tiebreaker, uh, which exactly. that Eagles yeah. team does not look. Great on the field or off the field right now, and they sure don't. But yeah, but, but wait, till we get to, wait till we get the prop. Wait till we get the prop bets, and I got I got oh, something boy. for you on that one. Um, should, so one we go through do, the actual tiebreakers that the Patriots need with the Commanders to like do the rooting interests. We can't. Yeah, yeah. Let's do that because it's it is kind of convoluted a little bit. But just so everyone knows, yeah. Week eighteen. So, you want to go yeah, through it? The, yeah. yeah. So the basically the big game. It's Falcons Saints because the Patriots played the Saints and the Commanders played the Falcons. Right. So it counts as a accounts in both directions for strength yep. of the schedule. So if the Falcons win, that helps out the Patriots. Then your your two wins in the correct direction. There are four remaining games of interest: Pittsburgh, Baltimore, Houston, Indianapolis, Chicago, Green Bay, Denver, Las Vegas. The Patriots would want Baltimore. Houston, Chicago, and Denver in those games. If Atlanta wins, the Patriots would need just two of those to go in their favor to win a tiebreaker over the uh, over Washington. If the Saints win, the Patriots need all four of those games to go in their favor to win that tiebreaker. That's that's what it's going to come down to, and it's not it's not crazy. It's just you, know, you look at it. I think that I think Houston beating Indy. I like the odds of that one. 
Baltimore beating Pittsburgh, even with backups. I feel like I like the odds of that one happening. Bears Green Bay on the road is tough. Denver at Vegas. You know, those teams aren't playing for anything. Who knows what's going to happen? I have no idea what's going to happen in that game. And I, I like the odds of two or three of those going in New England's favor. I don't like the odds of all four. So we're really, if you want the number two pick, pulling for pulling for Atlanta. And yeah. in some ways, the best case scenario here is the Patriots win and the Commanders win, and you get the tiebreakers in your favor, and you can win this game and still get the number two overall pick. Of course. I mean, obviously that's the case. You know, if But then in that case, you're going to need Arizona to win too to get the number two pick, right? I so, don't, yeah, because Arizona has the same record as you right now. Is that where it would be? Because their strength yeah. of schedule is their strength of schedule is so high that there's no way that they can that they can win a tiebreaker or anything like that. But they have the yeah. same record as you, so yeah. you need Arizona to win. Look, even if we end up at three, wherever we end up, the fact is is that it's going to be it's going to be a really interesting look. Now, the Eagles losing to the Giants would be insane. I don't know if that's going to happen. It'd be crazy, could, but that'd be wild to me. Um, Chicago thing. I, I don't put I don't put that outside the realm of possibility for Chicago to win. That'd be a lot of fun. I don't. Have, I'd be the issue is it's in Green anyways. Bay. That's that's the only reason why. You get no, you're not wrong. I just think I think that would be a lot of fun. Um, and the other ones, you're right. Like I can easily see Houston winning. Right. I can easily see Denver winning because why not? Right. Like yeah. who knows? I think Did they're he, both the better know, teams. Maybe. So you never know. You know what I mean? I think those are both the better the better teams in those matchups. It's just you know. Denver right. Vegas kind of feels like um, you know a coin flip because neither team is playing for anything, and Baltimore's way better than Pittsburgh, but they're not playing for anything, and Pittsburgh is, so that feels kind of like a coin flip about how it's actually going to go. And right, um, so yeah. my the only thing about the Denver Vegas game that scares me, if I if I'm rooting for Denver, is that Antonio Pierce is their is their interim head coach. They like him a lot. The guys like him. The guys want him to stick around. And, uh, you know, Mark Davis is kind of like, oh, yeah, you know, things are, you know, he hasn't really said anything, right? But they, oh, things are going good and this and that. They want to win that game for him. Because if you lose that game, now, again, it's not the end of the world. It's not like you're going to get fired because you lose a game. But if you win that game, you have an opportunity to win that game and say to the owner, hey, look, I don't care what the, it doesn't matter what the record is. I understand Denver is playing a backup quarterback. We're at home. We're winning the last game of the season, and we want the coach back, right? And there's, there's so to me, there's a lot of motivation from Vegas, where there's almost no motivation from Denver because they're looking at it like, dude, screw you, man! Like, you benched. Now they won last week because they because they played a terrible team, but like, you know, you you win. Who knows? You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. but one the other thing here is that you know the Patriots. You're asking four road teams to win here, or you know, three or four road teams. Right. I'll. Of the five games that matter to the Patriots, they want the road team in four of them. The only one right. they don't want the road team in is Baltimore, Pittsburgh. So, I think I think we should get start to get comfortable with the idea that if we want a top two QB, it's probably going to have to come by trading up in the draft. That's I would think so. Yeah, I would think that, so. so. Unless we get really lucky, that's that's I think where we are at this point. Um, yeah, that's so the we'll other see. thing is that I like. I like some of the the depth in this draft. Um, like I was, I was impressed by both winning quarterbacks in the college football playoff. I have been a little bit of a doubter on Michael Penix, um, only because you know I worry about how high his ceiling is. But I think we saw him look excellent, and 
He's going to get to play a Michigan defense here that is very complex and is probably the closest, one of the closest things to an NFL defense that exists at the college level schematically. And, you know, his anticipation is probably his biggest on-field weakness. We're going to find out about it this week with a a team that will confuse the heck out of him. And J.J. McCarthy is a guy who I think is very young and raw still, and he made mistakes, but overall did pretty well against Alabama, and it's going to be another big stage for him. And he's a guy, you know, you're, you're betting on traits there. It's a small sample size for him. He doesn't get asked to do a lot in that offense, but he's a highly recruited guy. He's got a fantastic attitude. He's very bought in and incredibly coachable. Um, mm-hmm. That's one of the things I've always noticed about him is he's, you know, he, he very humble guy, very willing to do whatever he's asked to do on a football field. And yeah, we'll, we'll see what the scheme ends up being, but he might get asked to throw. Uh, against Washington's defense on Monday night. And we're going to get to find out more about how he looks. So you know, we'll start to get a better idea. But if those are two options here on the table for the Patriots, I, I think I could be okay with either one of them situation dependent. Agreed. I like it. All right, we're going to get to a break. But before we do, before we do, we're going to be doing a lot of draft talk. We're going to be doing a lot of mock draft talk. For those of you that don't know me and ha- aren't familiar with my game, I pick one prospect every year, and I declare them as my guy before the season. Now that I've done this two years in a row, I did it, almost did it the year before, and I didn't quite do it, but Nick Bolton was my guy three years ago, who's an all-pro linebacker for the for the Chiefs now. Freaking so love good. Nick Bolton so much from Missouri. Um, he was so good. My guy two years ago was Marcus Jones. Guy you may have heard of, possibly you might have heard of that guy. I I actually watched his punt return earlier today. Oh god, it's so good. Uh, that oh man, he was uh, incredible. So Marcus is my guy last year. My guy this year or twenty twenty three was Emmanuel Forbes, who I assumed was getting taken in the middle of the second round. He went sixteen overall to Washington. He's had an up and down rookie year. He struggled a little bit. Hasn't been as great, but like. The coach over there is terrible. So, like, we'll see what happens when he gets an actual uh, when he gets an actual guy. And I do love Short Kings. That is true, Ryan. So I'm not announcing anything just yet. But I will tell you right now, a guy on my radar that that I'm, like, focusing in on. I haven't looked at enough guys to, to officially make him my guy yet. But I'll tell you what, man. It's going to be really difficult for someone to come in and overtake this guy. Mm-hmm. And the mock draft I did on PFN the other day, I got him at 143. There is a Zero, zero percent chance that this guy's going 143. But I'll just tell you right now. The guy that I that might end up being my guy is a wide receiver from the University of Arizona, Jacob Cowan. This yeah, his, dude, man. So his highlights, oh, I haven't gotten into the tape yet, but he's got some stuff on tape that makes you really pause and say, who, who is yeah, this guy? <laughs> he's, got, he's got incredible speed. But the mm-hmm. route running ability, like you don't see, and he's a guy that was at UTEP and transferred to Arizona this year. He only played one year in Arizona, and by the way, he's a captain in Arizona this year, or maybe he played two years at Arizona. He's played two at Arizona. Um, I remember, I can't. No, he's played two years at Arizona. Sorry. So, um, but he was the offensive MVP of the Alamo Bowl um, last year, twenty twenty three, or maybe it was this year, twenty twenty three Alamo Bowl. Um, yeah, it was this year, the Alamo Bowl. Uh, he was incredible. And put on showing us Oklahoma. Now, again, how many guys opted out of Oklahoma? What it was the I didn't watch the game, to be honest with you, but 
just watching the highlights of this guy, he's got speed. He's an actual route runner. Like, Tyquan Thornton's got a ton of speed. That's great. He's not Ty. Don't get me wrong. Jacob Cowan's not Tyquan Thornton speed-wise. But he's fast. But he's like an actual route runner. Like, a polished route runner. And that's the kind of guy that you want. So, anyways, he's not 100% my guy. I'm not, I, I'm not well-versed enough yet. I haven't gone deep enough. Because I got to get deep into into the draft, guys. Before I do that, um, but right. you could. But he's. I'm closing in on him being my guy because he is. Uh, he's a lot of fun to watch, man. Yeah. No, I like him. Um, I have another wide receiver name. I'm going to throw out that I think oh, might okay. fall in the same category that you'll have to watch. But I did see Danny Stanford in the the chat here at the Blake Corum love the Michigan running back. Yep. I love him. I don't know if he ends. I put it this way: If you're looking for a Zeke replacement on this team, Blake Corum is probably your guy. He mm-hmm. does not. He, I mean, he just doesn't. He's really been running to the ground at Michigan, and I don't know how much juice he has left. But right. he's rock solid as a runner. Hard to bring mm-hmm. down. Mm-hmm. Superb vision. Really quick. Um, he makes decisions quickly, and his body allows him to actually follow through on making those decisions and getting to the spots he gets to. Uh, and I, I just, he's a really, really dependable player. The name I was going to mention is a wide receiver from Virginia. Spent four years at Northwestern, transferred to Virginia, Malik Washington. He never put up more than 700 yards in four years at Northwestern. Comes to Virginia, 1,400 receiving yards. <laughs> it's like five foot nine, 190 pounds, small guy. But it's almost all after the catch. He's just a really good af- run after the catch type guy. Yeah, you know, that's a he's a day three type wide receiver prospect. But those are the type of guys where if you hit Take on somebody like that, he's your rotational receiver for you, but a gadget guy and a guy who can help you out in a bunch of ways and just help you win. He's not he's a complimentary piece for you, but I think he can be a really really good complimentary piece. Yeah, exactly. Yep, that's a great point. That's a great point. By the way, just so just so we're clear on the my guy, I know you know Matt, but people listening in the chat that have that don't know, I'm trying to pick a a, a day two guy. Is what I'm looking. What I'm looking for, right? Is a guy that's being drafted in the second or third round, maybe even the fourth round, that you know is going to surprise people and play better than than they think, right? And so, you know, that that's what I'm looking for. That's why I was really surprised. As a matter of fact, it's funny. I almost made Darnell Wright my guy last year, and I was like, and he's going to sneak into the first round, so I didn't take him, and I took Forbes instead, and he went seven picks later. So, so like, you know, but that's the way it goes sometimes. Um, but dude. It's so funny because you look at this PFN mock draft and you mentioned um, you mentioned Blake Horn. The mock draft I did, I made a few trades just like here and there. Drake May, Lad McConkey, Jatavian Sanders. Uh, hold on, J- uh, Jatavian Sanders, Blake Horn, Jordan Birch, Jacob Cowing, Christian Mahogany, and Tyler Davis from Clemson. If that happened, Patriots are in the playoff section. <laughs> like, like, dude, what the hell? And of course, it's never going to play out like that. Those guys aren't going to be available. Like Blake Corum, I, I one twelve, I can see for Blake Corum, but like, you know, Jacob Cowan is not going to be there at one forty three. Christian Mahogany probably is going to go a lot earlier than one sixty four. Right, and Tyler Davis is a guy that you know. I mean, again, D tackle. Like, who knows where they're going to end up? But like, those are good players that play the interior of the offensive and defensive line that are just down the list because. They're interior offensive and defensive line players, and it's early in the in the offseason. So, um, but you know, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm ex- I'm also I think we're going to learn a little bit about this draft when we hit free agency too. 
because how yeah. teams operate in free agency tells us how they view depth at certain positions and how aggressively they want to pursue stuff. And, you know, Patriots team we see right now is not going to be the one going into the draft. They will have figured out their coach and GM situation and signed people in free agency. And talking about the quarterback situation right now, if they go out and sign Kirk Cousins on day one of free agency, then we're going to go into the draft with a totally different feeling yep. um, than we have right now. And I'll tell you what, like I... If the, if we if we think this team can win on a short window with the defense and Kirk Cousins, you sign a Kirk Cousins, go draft a tackle at the top of the draft, and, you know, take receivers in rounds two, three, and four, and see what happens. Right. Uh, or you know, see if you can throw around money to get a Mike Evans or whatever in there. Um, we'll see how much money they actually have when it's all said and done. But I I can see that working out. Yeah. Um, so you know, we'll we'll see what happens. That's oh man, I it's it's who they pick at the top is going to be so stressful here because you just don't want to get it wrong. There's so much pressure to not mess it up because there's so That's much the talent key. there. That's the key. And and honestly, you just, you look at it and just think, look at all the mistakes that teams have made and the bad teams, the teams that were bad forever, the Browns and the Jets and the Jaguars. And the what happens? The reason why is because those guys messed up those early draft picks, right? You can't miss on those early draft picks, the Redskins and now the Commanders, right? But, like, you just they kept missing over and over and over and over and over again, and that just can't happen, right? And so it just kind of, like, even, like, um, who who was the RG3J? Was that, um, was that L.A. got, like, a million picks, and they traded – they, were like, drafted all offensive linemen. And it was, like, fine. Like, they were good – like they didn't hit on like three quarters of those picks, and it was just like, well, what the hell, you know? Yeah, yeah, and you know, you gotta if you're gonna, you, I don't mind being aggressive in the draft or trading back in the draft. You just gotta get the evaluations right to go with it, right? Uh, right. And honestly, it's it doesn't it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where you're drafting, right? If you draft the wrong guy, it makes no difference. You can draft the wrong guy at one, or you can draft the wrong guy at twenty five. It makes no difference. But if you draft the right guy, it doesn't matter where you draft him from, right? Now, obviously, the higher your pick is the better chance you have of getting it right because you can draft the guy that you want. But that doesn't necessarily guarantee you're going to get it right either. So um, yeah. it's just about now, doing the evaluation and, and hitting it. No, we talk about getting the guy right at the top of the draft too. This is, I texted you this earlier this week because I was looking through past Pat's first rounders. Yeah, There's only one Patriots first round pick in the last decade who has made it through his first two seasons without getting hurt. And that was Malcolm Brown. <laughs> Everybody else in there has mistimed injury, and it's funny. The guy with the the, the healthiest of the injured players in that span was Sony Michelle. He only missed a couple games in his first two years. It was just what happened after that and the way he deteriorated that was the issue. But right. you know, Christian Gonzalez on injured reserve. You got Mac Jones getting hurt the way he did last year. Um, you know, Isaiah Cole Wynn, Nikhil Harry. Mm-hmm. You know, Cole Strange this year missing time. Um, been kind of an issue for them and I, there's a certain amount of bad luck there but it's you you can't develop players if they aren't on the field and they aren't able to get out there because they're hurt you know that sets you back right. and usually guys who end up on injured reserve at some point in their first two years have a hard time panning out because it's hard to make up for the lost time and hard yep. to make up for the missed opportunities along the way so that's it's another factor here is let's let's get draft picks who stay on the field and stay healthy that's 100 percent right 100 yeah. percent yeah, well, an old man mob says it right here too that you know last year's draft could could be up there with with the best draft Patriots draft classes. Now, it's early, 
Christian Gonzalez played three games. But from what we saw of him, he looks like a stud. If he turns out to be a stud, then that's a huge draft pick. Keon White has started to really round into shape. He's looking really good. If he plays really well, there's another guy. Marte Mapu has looked pretty good. He needs some more development, right? We knew he was a developmental piece anyways. If they can continue to develop him and turn him into a good player, now you get a third guy. Mario Douglas already looks like a good player, right? Like Bryce Barringer, I know was a punter, but he looks like a pretty damn good punter. Like, And so, you know, you, you have all of these picks that you're hitting. And by the way, City Stones look pretty damn good at right guard, right? So, Starter, yeah. you know what I mean? So so now you're looking at it and, and thinking that, okay, there's there's a good, there's enough guys there that we can build on this for next year. But in order to hit, in order to become a good team, you can't go out and buy talent. You have to be able to draft talent. Yeah. And so yeah. if you can, if you can continue to develop these guys and they can continue to get better, that's huge for you. And then you see things like Anthony Jennings, you know, Penny Jennings, all of a sudden is playing great. He looks yeah. fantastic out there. And he was yeah. a guy that couldn't see the field for the first three and a half years he was here. Well, and that's, I mean, that's one of the other things I didn't, I didn't do a deep dive into the guys after day one for the Patriots, but how many day two guys have they had in there who got hurt and that really helped hurt them? Anthony Jennings was one Christian Barmore. How would you feel if he was having this breakout last year instead of dealing with injuries the entire season, they probably make it to the playoffs. If that's the case with uh, with the way that happened, Um, Cole strange, finally starting to break out this year and playing the best football he has in his career before getting injured and going on IR, you know, that's, that's tough. And he's played through injury the entire season anyway. Um, that was a day one guy, but, uh, but still feels, feels like a day two guy. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, this has been kind of a, th- a theme, you know, Taekwon Thornton, day two right. guy in that very draft who has spent so much time on yeah. injured reserve. Uh, the other, the other guy from this year's draft, by the way, is Jake Andrews. who finally got on the field and looked good. Yep. He looked better yep. than Antonio Moffey has. So yeah. I'm, I kind of hope we see him get the start on Sunday and get to get a long look at how he looks out there because if you can go into next year with City So fixing your right tackle situation because on Wednesday it can be at right tackle and you have your whole right side of the line figured out and maybe mm-hmm. David Andrews comes back. I don't I feel like we haven't heard much about him possibly retiring at this point. I sure. thought we would have heard more it. Matthew yeah. Slater's talking yeah. about him retiring. Matthew Slater yeah, this is it seems this is like it this is it for Slater. And yeah. he talks yeah. about that. David Andrews hasn't mentioned that. Now, he still might walk away, but he hasn't said he's going to. Yeah. And then left guard, you know, you're penciling Cole Strange. And if you get development at all from Antonio Moffey, even if he becomes a backup level player, and Jake Andrews, you know, is able to actually look good. And that wasn't just a a 10 snap, you know, him looking decent out there. That's four spots on the line where I think you feel comfortable. And then, all right, now you're just looking for a one spot. You know, still finding a left tackle is... Much easier said than done, but you could try to make something work. You know, you can try to work a trade in there somewhere, uh, especially if you if you feel like you get the QB this year, and you find a way to get a QB, then using the rest of your assets on the team gets a lot easier because there's no uncertainty about how you're spending stuff going forward. And you know, you can make a big trade to go get a tackle. That's what the Texans had done previously to go get Tunsil, and they are yep. that has helped them out big time by having that piece. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. And but, it's, yeah. Good. No, I was just say. By the way, Ashton and Old Man Ma both said they would prefer to sign uh, Penny Jennings over Uche. I agree, a hundred percent. Hundred percent. Yeah. I, you know, I mean, I've been on the Penny, mm-hmm. Je- and it's funny because I, 
I was going back and forth with Brian Hines uh, from Pat's pulpit, and we were talking about it, and he was saying, you know, he asked him if, if, you know, he minded Penny Jennings, and he said, well, he just never really caught on. D-Mac called me that, but that was it. I was banging that drum when he got drafted, but he never played, so no one was paying attention to who he was. And so I said to him, I'm like, if he, when he gets re-signed, man, I'm all in on the Penny Jennings. Uh, we're going to try to turn yeah. that thing around. Well, so well, The thing that could make your Josh Uche situation – a little bit simpler here too is Mac Wilson breaking out as a pass rusher for you True. here. And that just, you know, makes life easier because they're not, we know the Patriots and obviously we love our big edge rushers, but they've always preferred to go a little bit cheaper in the front seven and instead to scheme up your pressures. And in theory, you have a secondary right now, which, you know, especially if you're bringing guys back, you should be able to be fine on the back end and you're going to be pretty good back there. And that means you can dial up all kinds of different blitzes. Mac Wilson is a super valuable piece of that because he's versatile and Matt Judon will be part of that. And I think Keon White, Christian Barmore are all parts of that. And you can let a guy like Josh Uche go and it won't hurt you as much as it, it might hurt other teams. Agreed. Agreed. Also, uh, Paul uh, and Boy Green's my guy. I'm actually going to be on a show this weekend, but uh, he said, admit it, Pat, the Patriots are shaking in the boots of Trevor Simeon and the Jets coming in. And uh, I'll tell you, you know, I don't know. <laughs> if I'm the Patriots, I might worry about Trevor Simeon more than I worried about Zach Wilson. I mean, I don't know, you know, so uh, well, not the, but. The, the Zach Wilson <laughs> that played the Patriots this year was one so afraid of the Patriots defense yeah. that he refused to throw an interception. So yeah. um, like he just wouldn't take any risks with the ball, which was nice. But it also meant, you know, you're not going to force turnovers and the Patriots right. offense actually had to, you know, move the ball. Simeon yeah, sure. might give us some some balls here um, and we'll see. It's uh, yeah, made the Patriots defense, but it's ranks 29th in turnover percentage yeah, this year. What's crazy because they played what, – what's insane to me is that even though they're, they're 29th in turnover percentage, they've played so damn well. And I think what it comes down to is that they don't have the high-level playmakers. Like they have a lot of good players, but they don't have the high-level playmakers – that they need to get turnovers, right? If Christian Gonzalez were here still, I think it would be higher. If Matthew Judon were here still, I think it would be higher. Like, it's just yeah. that, you you know, like to force turnovers, a lot of times you need those high-level players. Or you need a guy like, like you know, Jack Jones who's just going to take chances and say, F it, I'm going to go, you know, break on this out route. And they don't have a lot of those guys. They have guys that are tacticians that play well, that play hard, that do the right thing. That, But, like, they're not explosive players necessarily. And – that makes for a good defense, but one that doesn't force a lot of turnovers. Yep, and they also they haven't gotten a ton of fumble luck this year. They're not getting strip sacks as part right. of this, uh, and, they're not, and they're not getting a lot of deflections either. They're not tipping balls at the line, which is an area where I think you'd want to see them improve. Um, yeah. Although I will say, somebody and I'm forgetting who it was had mentioned that cornerback is a sneaky need for this team in the draft, and I agreed. But I will say, I think Alex Austin has looked a little bit better mm -hmm. than I expected, and mm -hmm. is interesting enough to bring into camp next year. And uh, Marco Wilson, who they just brought in, I believe he still has time left on his deal. Um, yep. Is another guy they'll bring in next year. And, you know, Jonathan Jones, Christian Gonzalez, Marcus Jones. Um, you might want one more body in there, but I think you can address that in free agency. Um, I don't hate the idea of drafting a corner either. I don't think that's a bad idea. I'm fine with that because right. uh, I do think they could use some depth there. But I also think you can go out and spend $5 million and sign a, a veteran corner who can True, help oh and i forgot miles bryant in there too yes and look what Rasul douglas did in buffalo like 
you don't need a, a you know a, a number one corner necessarily. You just need a guy that, that can play well. So, yeah, uh, old man Mob asked one question. We got to take a break here. But old man Mob asked one question: What happens if the Pats versus Jets ends in a tie? Um, in that situation, assuming that the that the Commanders and the Cardinals both lose, the Patriots end up as the four because you end up with a better record than both of those teams, but a worse record than I think it's the Chargers that are that are in the sixth spot. And if the Commanders won and the Patriots tied, you'd be still be ahead of the Commanders because you'd Correct. have a worse record. Yes. Yep. Uh, so it just depends we're, we're on what un- Unless there are multiple ties here in Week 18, a tie basically just means you're avoiding tiebreakers and slotting in between teams somewhere. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. all right, let's take a break. When we come back, I think we'll just kind of kind of do our final segments. We've talked a lot about drafts, um, kind of where it's going. Maybe we could talk a little bit about the Patriots Jets. But I- I don't know True. if there's any matchups you really want to talk well, about. Let's, we'll talk, let's talk about that for a second, what we're looking okay. forward to in it. And let's, can we do a little college football playoff talk? I got my Michigan sure. hat on. Yes, let's do that. Yeah, okay. All right, Michigan guy. We can do that. <laughs> All right, there we go. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com Boston and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. MA21 Plus and present in mass. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $5 pre-game money line wager required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gamblinghelplinema.org or call 1-800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GamesenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. All right, so someone someone mentioned about um, you know the Cowboys. No chance that the Cowboys are going to lose um, this weekend to Washington, and they shouldn't. But what I think is what I find really fascinating is that there is a chance. It's an outside chance, but there's a chance that the, that the Cardinals could finish with four wins, and all four wins could be against playoff teams. The the Falcons haven't officially been eliminated yet, but they, they're you know yeah. they're they're flirting with it. Because they, they need to the win, Cowboys. they need the Panthers to win. <laughs> I know, but yeah, you never know. You never know. So, yeah, but um, but the Cardinals beat the Cowboys, which is insane. They almost beat the Ravens. Yeah, almost by seven of the Ravens, right? They beat the Falcons. They beat the Steelers in Pittsburgh, right? The week before the Patriots beat them, and then they beat the Eagles this week. So that would be four. Now, even if it's not four, that's still. You know, is like possibly three playoff teams. Uh, of course, there's some things that have to happen for Pittsburgh to get in too. But nevertheless, you know, even even still, you're talking about two really good NFC East teams that they beat. Um, so you know, with four total wins, which is kind of crazy. Also, yeah. MA football guy posted this, and I thought, um, I thought that this was really really interesting. He said he found it from the Pat's chat, um, Pat's chat sports draft Marvin Harrison Jr. Go tackle late in the first. So I assume that means trade up to late in the first and then trade a second for Justin Fields. So I don't know how you're getting that second if you're drafting a tackle late in the first. But even if it's a third for, for Justin Fields, it's an interesting thought. I don't know if the, what the Bears are going to do 
with Justin Fields. Um, my if I were the Bears, I'd be I'd move on from Justin Fields, but um, but I'd be okay with that as a as a complimentary thing. I was kind of big on Quinn Ewers. I'm like, oh, Quinn Ewers is that guy you can take in the third round. And after watching him against Washington, yeah, I was like, yikes, that doesn't look great. He has some nice plays, but not great. Yeah, no, that's yeah, he's he would be a developmental guy. He's in he's in like the Bailey Zappi, Jarrett Stidham yeah. camp of quarterbacks right. of right. guys you're gonna go late day two, early day three, who are your hope if they're a backup level guy, you're happy with yeah. with that. Yep. Um so but yeah, I don't right. I don't know how Let's, I feel about that, but I'm still I'm still a little low on fields. Yeah, um, which is fine, and that's you know, but it it was just something interesting that I wanted to pull up. So if it was a um, third for Fields, I'm in. A second, I start to get especially with where the Patriots are. That's a it's a top forty pick on Fields where you can get a high quality receiver. I'm right, right. Old. Yeah, I like it. All right, so um, college football playoff. We can talk about it a little bit. I know you're, you know, as you can see from the, if you're watching on YouTube or or Twitter or wherever you're watching, you can see the Michigan hat, the maize and blue. Uh, Matt is a Michigan guy, so we know who Matt's rooting for. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I still can't believe Alabama. What the hell? Michigan calls a timeout. Then Alabama calls a timeout. Then they come out with a QB draw on fourth and goal like, from the three-yard line. What the hell are you doing? It looked like it was supposed to be some kind of a, a counter type play to stretch, and they had like the running back in motion to stretch the defense. Yeah. And whoever Michigan had their linebacker, defensive end, or whatever on the the strong side of that bull rushes JC Latham back right into the rushing lane, and there's just no he yeah. gets bull rushed so far back that the quarter Milrow can't cut. Um, that's your ball game. I mean, Michigan. It, it, <laughs> it's funny because that. Alabama dominated Michigan when they were running the ball, but when it was passing situations or Michigan knew it was coming, their defensive line just ate Alabama's yeah. line. Oh, yeah. And that last play, you know, really good execution, being able to blow that up. And mm-hmm. talk about before that, that gets set up because on second down, Michigan's defense gets a run stuff for like five yards into the backfield. Yeah. And now it's third and goal from the 15. That's a tough situation to be in regardless. Uh, it's tough to, it's a tough area of the field to work in. Um, I thought Michigan's offense being able to work back from down seven. That last drive from McCarthy and the whole offense was impressive. I thought there were some schematic things in there that the Patriots should take notes on. Uh, that fourth down play where they they move the back over at the last second and just have them go out to the side where there's like four receivers all on one side and nobody takes them. I think the Patriots yeah. should try to utilize that one. I would love to see them break that out. Um, and you, know, you get a little lucky with a tipped ball ending up right in the receiver's hands and yeah, I also thought that last play, that fourth down play, if you watch that play again, he sends the back out in motion as he snaps the ball. The yeah. backside linebacker went with him. Not the frontside linebacker, the backside linebacker. If he just turns and throws it to him, he guys, that guy's walking into the end zone. He's yeah. walking they, into the end zone. Oh, and they, they said after the game it was just a draw, so the quarterback didn't technically have that option. I guess right. they weren't ready for it. And yeah. I think that was Michigan kind of betting that – yeah, we think that's a decoy. We don't think you're actually doing that. Right. Because Milrow right. was the only part of their off. Milrow running was the only part of the Alabama offense that looked good in that game. Right. Yep. I'll tell you what. Bill O'Brien, maybe in that game at least, didn't look like he was wrong about Jalen Milrow. So Jalen Milrow has been very good this year. That was bad Jalen Milrow. Uh, throwing the ball at least. Well, 
Yeah, on well, a really good Michigan defense, and you know he got sacked six times. A lot of it right. was also really good pressure. So, sure. um, yeah, and then the uh, the the special themes for Michigan was just giving me a heart attack oh all night long. That fumble which, right there, I was like, this is unbelievable. I've never seen a guy end, do that. The end before. of regulation, I was Insane. I was just and as a Michigan fan, you know, we got the highlight reel with the Appalachian State game and the Michigan mm-hmm. State game mm-hmm. with the the, the mm-hmm. fumble on the punt, and I was like, yeah. Just adding another one to it right here. That Thankfully, we avoided that. Imagine that in and, the college football playoff. Oh, my God. And that continued into the late game. Washington, Texas, we had like three or four muffed punts, I think, in that game. Yeah, that was awful. <laughs> and Washington had control of that game. And then, you know, I think they had, what, a false start on fourth down when they won a punt with like 50 seconds left. And Wasn't so, a false start. They, um, well, one of their guys uh, got hurt, right? Yeah, which it's a weird rule that stops the clock in that yeah. scenario, which gives Texas 45 seconds instead of 15 seconds to go the yeah. length of the field, which is huge. And then they had a bad punt well, not a bad punt, but they had a punt and then committed a penalty on the punt, which gave them the ball at the 30 instead of the 15. And it's just like yeah. those things, and it they're college kids, and and those things happen. But that's, that's, why, entertaining that's why it's interesting. That's why it's interesting. Yeah, so, you, get a, you get a little more chaos than you do at the NFL level. because The guys yeah, aren't quite as good. And, uh, that's correct. You know, some of the things that we take for granted in the NFL, you can't in college. And it's, that's it's, right. You know, it's, that's very right. Well, only in the only in college, you have the extra point still from the two, and you are worried every time your kicker goes out there. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> but uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. I'm really excited for the championship game. Uh, obviously, you know, being a Michigan fan, that's exciting. But from a prospect perspective, um, I think you got best or second best wide receiver core in college, whether you want to go Washington or LSU is up to you as number one um, against one of the better secondaries and better designed secondaries mm-hmm. in college. And I think we're going to learn about it, learn a lot about the prospects on both sides of the ball. We're going to lo- learn a lot about uh, Michael Penix, uh, Fountain, the, the, left tackle for Washington. He's going to get put under a lot of stress. I want to see how he handles that. Who, by the way, um, uh, forget who it was, the senior bowl guy, Nagy, had said oh, earlier Nagy. this Yeah, it said earlier this week that he measured in with 34 and three quarters inch arms. He was a guy who people talked about as a possible guard convert because of his height, but then you add in arms like that, and he's a tackle all the way. So that's, that's a guy who, uh, you know, that's my pet guy who I like at the top of the second round, who I know is not actually going to be there. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, interesting for JJ McCarthy and Roman Wilson, it's a good Washington pass defense. And I want to see how they are, if they even decide to go through the air, how well that, that works out for them. Because this is a, right. this is a worse pass defense in Alabama, I think in a less complex one. And, um, I think we'll learn a little bit about some of those guys too. I'm taking Michigan, obviously, as a Michigan. I fan. mean, obviously, you're going to, but it is going to be. I think we're going to learn a lot. I think we're going to learn a lot about Michael Penix Jr. And he's a guy that everyone's got their eyes on right now. You know, Michael Irvin was comparing to Michael Vick. I mean, like, you know, it's it's a little, it's getting a little crazy because he played so well. If he goes out there and you know and dog walks Michigan, like. That's going to really open up some eyes. And now you're talking about he's going to be a top five pick, right? So we'll see. But I, I think that that's it's going to be really interesting for me to kind of see um, to see what to see which way it goes. But um, all right. Anyways, you want to get into our into our uh, last things? We'll see. I'm not going to pick a team because I'm not going to go against you. I'll go for I'll go with Michigan. Fine, I'll go with Michigan. Hell yeah! There and I want to see blue. I want to see you happy. I want to see my friend happy. <laughs> uh, I don't really care. I am a fan of Michael Penix. I'd like to you're see not- Michael Penix do well. 
But at the same time, I know a lot of people that are rooting for Michigan, so I'm down with that too. This is one a good game. I want a good game. Do we want to talk yeah. about the Pats and Jets game real quick before we go into our last segment? I mean, yeah, okay, fine, sure. I'm just I'm just wondering if there's anything that's like I want to. <laughs> I'm curious how things look. I'm rooting for a win. I'm curious. I think if the big thing here is you know the Jets have a good defensive line and the Patriots yep. really couldn't block them in the first game and they're banged up now and I want to see how that looks. And I'm excited to watch Christian Barmore. You know. Yeah. Wreck somebody's day one more time. I, I feel like I'm going to be surprised if this game gets to 40 points total or 30 points total. I that would feels agree. like it's got to be low. And especially if it's especially if it's uh, snowing out. By the way, DJ yeah. Daniel up in the chat here uh, was the guy that made that original comment about the uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. trade uh, and whatnot. So, so there you go. And I love Marvin Harrison Jr. Yeah, I mean, you know, if the Patriots end up with him, I don't think anybody can complain. <laughs> I agree. So, look, I just think. The Jets' offense is terrible. Bruce Hall's had two really, really spectacular games in a row. Caught a ton of passes out of the backfield. That's really how they've done most of their damage. I mean, Wilson's caught some passes, but he hasn't really been a factor too much in these last two games. Whereas Bruce Hall has been a huge factor out of the backfield. I think he had, what, like nine or ten catches in two weeks in a row. So, um, So they've really, really been leaning on him coming out of the backfield. I wouldn't be surprised to see that again. The Patriots have a really good pass defense, but the question is, how are they against a guy like that, right? Brees Hall is an explosive player. You know, if it's snowing, maybe he's a little bit less explosive. Maybe, you know, he can't make as many quick cuts as he would like to do, but we'll see. Um, So, you know, I I just, I'm interested to kind of see where it goes, but like, if you're telling me that the Patriots can't beat Trevor Simeon in the Jets, who Bill hates more than life itself in what could be Bill Belichick's last game at home. I just, I don't see how that happens. I don't see how that happens. And what's funny about it is that I think if you're Robert Kraft, if the Patriots lose on Sunday, it makes your decision about moving on from a lot easier, (laughs) which is crazy to think because it's a meaningless game in week 18, but like he likes nothing more than beating the Jets. And if you can't beat the Jets with their like ninth string quarterback, what are we doing? Yeah. Well, I think I, I don't feel confident about the Patriots scoring more than like 14 points in this game, but I feel confident that the Jets probably aren't scoring more than six uh, yeah. unless there's defensive or special teams points involved because right. that's just that offense is so depleted. Patriots defense is so good. You know, they're going to confuse Simeon. Oh, yeah. I feel I, I feel good about the Patriots defense getting at least one pick in this game or a strip sack somewhere. I think they're going to make life miserable for them. And um, I think we should just, you know, try to have fun with it. This could be the last game ever that Bill Belichick is our coach. Right. This dude's the, this dude's the greatest and it's a division rival. And, um, you know, it right. could be a, it could be a bittersweet day on Sunday. So let's try to make the most of it and enjoy it. For sure. By the way, uh, Brees Hall, 16 targets and 12 catches for 96 yards on Christmas Eve. And then they play again Thursday night, so they have a little bit of a long – they have, like, the mini buy here. He had nine catches on nine targets for 42 yards and a touchdown. So caught a ton of passes out of the backfield. That's against a really good Cleveland defense. Washington, not so good, but a really good Cleveland defense as well. Um, and so I'm be, be surprised. Right yeah, 
I, I think so, but we'll see. We'll see what they yeah. decide to do. Um, when it's, if it's snowing and you get the slick conditions, checking it down to the back and letting them try to break tackles is pretty much always a good idea because yeah, uh, hard to cut uh, defensively there. So I, I think we're going to see a lot of that. So by the way, somebody mentioned, somebody's asking about Zach Wilson in the chat. He was ruled out. He didn't clear yeah. the concussion protocol or whatever. So right. So he's. I mean, who is is Tim Tim Boyle's not still on the team? Is he, who is their backup? No, at this point, <laughs> it might be Tim Boyle. Or I they thought him? they cut him, but I am not sure. So let me pull up their depth chart. I as we know. couldn't even tell you. I literally couldn't even tell you who who cares. Yeah. I suppose. Well, I'd, I'd say who cares, but I in know. the game with Christian no, Moore, I think the backup quarterback coming in at any point is uh, Great point. <laughs> very oh, oh Brett Ribbon. Yes, Scotia. Mark Schofield. Uh, yeah, that's right. Scotia fave. Uh, yeah. That would be fun to get a little Brett Ribbon action. You imagine? Brett Ribbon yeah. goes in; he's guaranteed he's going to throw a pick six. Guaranteed he's going to throw a pick six yeah. if he goes in. So, yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, well, we'll try to have a fun one in the snow on Sunday. There you go. Love it. Get, get your Love hot it. cocoa ready. All right. Now let's get into our final seconds. By the way, just one quick schedule <laughs> note for next year: the Patriots. Um, they always the schedules are set years years in advance. Okay. Um, but the two games that weren't already set, whereas they're playing the team that finished the same way as them, the same spot as them in the AFC North and the team that finished in the same spot as them as the NFC North. Um, and then I think there was also, I think there was also the AFC South as well. Uh, no, no, not the South. We play the whole, we play the whole South South. and we're, we're locked in for the AFC West being a home game against the Chargers. That's what it was. Yes. So the, so yeah. Yes, the AFC North is Cincy because they sure. So the I'm sorry, the AFC West clinched with the Chargers because they're in last place. The AFC North clinched with Cincy because they're in last place, and then the outcome of Sunday's games will determine whether they're playing in Chicago or in Minnesota. Um, if Chicago loses, it's in Chicago. If Minnesota loses and Chicago wins, it's Minnesota. in Minnesota. So that, you know, a little um, reunion with Brian Flores next year could be could be fun. I'll tell you this much: if we got a rookie quarterback, I don't love the idea about going up against cool. a Brian Flores defense. Sure don't, um, sure don't. But yeah, so, we'll see what it, happens. You know, get, getting a last place schedule that could include a Brian Flores defense, Joe Burrow, and Justin Herbert is something. But um, sure is. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a tough schedule next year. And the Patriots yeah. they play the whole AFC South. That's the division they get there, and then in the NFC, it's the West. That right. includes a trip to San Francisco and a trip to Arizona. They get both of those on the road. And then the AFC South. Well, the AFC South uh, is interesting. So they play Indy at home and they play Houston at home. And then they're in Jacksonville and they're in Tennessee. And I yep. think what's interesting about that, Jacksonville, of course, had a down year this year. Well, started out hot and now it's kind of faded. And Indy's a team that, like, they're right on the cusp and they're feisty and they're that. Don't forget now they have Anthony Richardson on IR who hasn't played all year, right? And looked pretty damn good when he was in there originally. So that's a team that could be scary uh, uh, for yeah, other teams be, next year. So it'll be, that's going to be uh, interesting. Could be, could and of be, course, Houston and whatnot. So could could be tough. Um, so you know, obviously, schedule usually looks easier once you get into the season, and there's injuries, Correct. and not but, everybody know, lives up to the hype. And guys underperform. So uh, the AFC South and the NFC West. So the fact that you're playing the Rams and the Seahawks. And the Niners and the Cardinals or whatever, but still, you know, Cardinals, so, no, they look like they're finishing the season strong too. Right? That might not be a gimme sure. next year, especially sure. on the road. Um, yep. 
So it, uh, we'll, we'll see how this goes. It'll be an interesting schedule. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we'll talk about that yeah. kind of as as we uh, as we get down. Well, the and, so. well, and the other thing, too, depending on the, the extra game in the NFC, the other team to watch there is that the Jets are in third place. And the Jets may end up going to Green Bay. You may have an Aaron Rodgers going back to Green Bay situation. Ooh. Or you might have Aaron Rodgers, I think, at Chicago as part of that, um, which you know That'd the Bears fans would be all over that oh yeah um so yeah that's uh the, that's the, the other the other little nugget there to watch for on the schedule but 16 of the 17 games are, are set i like it that's interesting all right so uh let's get into our prop bets our prop bets for this week this week last week we both went one and one i had stefan Diggs over 68.5 receiving yards that did not happen i had joe flacco two plus passing touchdowns that did happen you had the Jets under one and a half TDs, and this is where sometimes betting is so unfair because the Jets' offense scored one touchdown, but their defense also scored one touchdown, and so therefore that one didn't hit. But you did have a JSN anytime TD, which did hit. So after 17 weeks and 34 picks, I am a putrid 11-23, and 23. <laughs> and you are a not much better 14-20. and 20. So the house does always win. We need to remember that the house does always win. And there's a reason why there are huge, massive skyscrapers in Vegas. Um, But because of the contest and because the last week of the season and because I'm only down by three and not by two, we decided to make it a little interesting here. And we're going to do three picks instead of two picks. That way, if I somehow go 3-0 and you somehow go 0-3, that will be tied, and then we'll do a tiebreaker next week uh, for the wild card playoff. So probably not going to happen. I'm probably going to be running the Patriots conditioning test uh, at some point in the spring, but it could happen. And so let's make it a little fun, you know. We'll leave it. So, yeah, we'll leave it open. You know. So uh, would you like to give yours first, sir? Yeah, and we don't have uh, we don't have specific numbers for some of this yet, just because we don't know exactly who's playing in some of these games. Um, yeah. But we're, we're doing approximates, and if we got to shift the bets a little bit later, yeah. we will. So I'm going to take a guess here. My first one is going to be the over on Sam Darnold touchdowns, which I think is going to be at one and a half. It could yeah. be with 0.5, but give it to me. I think we're, we're going to see Sam Darnold have, have a decent game for the 49ers because he's playing. So good. Doing an, I'm doing another over on touchdowns. I don't have a number for this. I don't care what the number is for this one. Okay. The over on Josh Allen touchdowns. Josh it's a game Allen. with where the you know, a win get in on primetime for the division. We are getting peak chaotic Josh Allen. Over he's going to pull out five. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> he's going to pull out the dumbest, most ridiculous things you've ever seen. And he might yeah. turn it over a whole bunch, but I think he's going to get in the end zone a bunch too. So I, just can't I actually think that. if I had to guess, and I know that number's not out yet, if I had to guess, I'd say it's probably three and a half because you're talking about passing plus rushing. Uh, I'm gonna guess two and a half. Two and a half. All right. Let's say two and a half. We'll, we'll see. We'll see where it lands. Let's Am say I... two and a half. And if it comes out at three and a half, we'll change it. If it doesn't, then we'll leave it at two and a half. You're probably right. Then my final one. I do have a number for this one. Falcon Saints under forty two and a half points. Oh yeah. I yeah. mean, come on now. Yeah, I love that. Falcon one. Saints under forty two point five. Okay. So now for my three. Um, I almost. It's funny because I almost took the um I almost took the over in the Falcon Saints game, which would have been hilarious because then we would have had we would have had opposite picks. I didn't, but I almost did, just because like why not? It's so dumb and makes no sense. And that I was like, oh, it could work. But that's not what I'm doing. 
Um, I'm doing three, three, uh, and they're weird ones. But I'm going Alec, Pe- uh, Alex Pierce. No, no, Alec. Yeah, Alec Pierce uh, from the Indianapolis Colts. <laughs> I'm going over 28.5 receiving yards. <laughs> because here's the thing. Alec Pierce is not their number one receiver, but Alec Pierce is their like home run guy. It just takes one catch, and he's going to be over 28.5 receiving yards. He's done it a few times this year. I, I wouldn't I be surprised it. to see him do it again. So Alec Pierce over 28.5 rushing yards. And then I had a similar thought to you with the Bills. Um, mm-hmm. I just think that the Bills have relied on the run a lot more than they have the pass, lately at least. And so I'm going James Cook over 68.5 rushing yards. I think 68.5 is pretty low or low enough for him. And so I'm going with that. Uh, And then my final one, I'm doing an alternate line here. And this is how confident I am about this game. The Eagles are a five-point favorite. Okay? I am taking the Eagles... Minus ten and a half against the New York Giants. Alrighty, bringing that up five and a half points. Going to be more than double digits, um, and so that's my that's my last prop bet of uh, week eighteen. So we'll see how it goes. If okay. I somehow pull off three and zero, and you somehow go zero and three, then we'll have a showdown uh, in the uh, in the playoffs. If not, then you know I'll just start running now. That's all. I like it. I like it. Oh, that's what we uh, got. That, that Eagles-Giants one is interesting because I almost would go the complete opposite direction and just but, take the Giants with the current line. But that's I exactly just, why I'm doing it. That's the whole reason yeah. I'm doing it because I'm like, yeah. it makes no sense. And I'm like, that line looks so low and the Giants yeah. stink. And I think Dave Wall might be getting fired. And so I'm like, dude, you know. It could happen. And the Eagles now like are fighting for their lives to try to win the division somehow or at least get into the playoffs not looking like a crap team. And so, you know, I think that if this is the week to figure it out, it, it'd be a good time against against what's not a very good team. Yeah, no, I'm uh, I'm in agreement there. So we'll see what happens this week. Uh, is it trivia time? It is, in fact. All righty. Our trivia question last week uh, was, let me pull up my notes here. Which Patriots running back grabbed two scores in a Week 17 win over the Bills in 2013? That was like LeGarrette Blunt. Matt Manito was the first on that one. That was when Blunt came in and, you know, they ran over the Bills and the Colts in succession there to end the season and start the playoffs. He was electric in that, that stretch right there. We're also going for another another end of the end of the season type question on this one. Which Patriot scored his first career touchdown over the Jets in the final week of the 2020 season? Ooh. Good one. I like that one. I don't I, I'm gonna be curious if somebody is able to get this one. I like that one. I do. Yeah. I like and by first career touchdown, remember, he has to be the one that goes into the end zone. That's Not correct. Good. Yes, that yes. is quite correct. Which is an important clear. distinction when it comes to this guy. Um, thanks for coming. No, I, then I, yeah, we'll we'll see, Pat. You might not have it right then. Maybe I don't. Perhaps yeah. I don't. We'll see if see if throw your answers in the chat, guys. We'll see if uh, see if anybody can get that. While we're while we're waiting on an answer for that one, 
I want to do a shout out real quick too, because I was yes. watching it tonight. The I don't know if you've seen the PWHL, the Professional Women's Hockey League that just started. I haven't. Up. I did hear. I did hear about it, obviously, but I haven't. I did see that there was some stuff going on uh, media yeah. wise today, but I hadn't seen it. They uh, the Boston team played their first game tonight with Bergeron there as kind of uh, he was like uh, an honorary captain or something for them, and he uh, he what do you call it? You know, like addressed the team before the game and announced who their captain for the season was going to be Hillary Knight. She's awesome. Love uh, it. They, they played tonight. They didn't win their first game. They lost three to two, but I was checking it out earlier and it looked pretty good. Uh, I was having a really good time watching it. And there's a New York team. So when they come to New York, I might see if I can you know, grab some tickets and go, go check out a game in person, but Love you know, shout out to the ladies some some good hockey over there. Fantastic. That's good. That's what I want to say. I like it. Yeah. So uh, don't forget now, TJ says Cam Newton, um, not Cam Newton, because it's his first career touchdown, but not his last that. career touchdown. It would be Cam Newton's last career touchdown, perhaps, but not his first. It, w- it um, wasn't, because he scored that one for Carolina the next season <laughs> with him screaming, I'm back right. into the camera. Good point. That's a great point. Yes. I forgot about that. Yes, but yeah, there was there. there was Cam throwing a touch uh, a football up into the, uh, into the empty fanless stadium, stadium in that one. All so the weird. cardboard cutouts. Yeah, so, we're looking yeah. back on those. Yeah, it is strange, isn't it? So, all right. Anyways, here we go. Last segment of the podcast. And now for something we think you'll really like. This week in sports history. All right. So I have two. Uh, do you have one or two? I have one. All right. Do it. All right. I'm pulling mine from the, the calendar that I got here, my page of day one. Ooh, okay, okay. On this day, okay. January 3rd in 2005, owner Arte Moreno announced that the name of the Angels franchise will change from the Anaheim Angels to the Los, Angel- Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Uh, There's a way to you know build marketing by letting people know that they're in the Los Angeles area. One of the dumbest. So dumb branding decisions it's something something about the the anaheim stuff because you got that and you got the anaheim ducks and the mighty ducks to anaheim and them changing their name and branding and, uh, so stupid yeah so dumb yeah weird stuff going on out there but yeah that was on this day back in 2005 there you go there you go i got two i got two of them one of them's way back and one of them is pretty back pretty far but not quite as far on january 3rd 1920 oh, it was a tough day it's a tough day Boston Red Sox club owner Harry Frazee announces agreement to sell slugger Babe Ruth to the New York Yankees for $125,000 and a cash, in cash, and a $350,000 loan. <laughs> Sorry, I mean, that's, that's what happened in Jan- January 3rd. Um, not to write, not to make no net. by the way. We, we did learn that on an earlier episode. It was not to make no net. Many people thought that was the case, but that was not the case. Um also on January 3rd, 1993, terrible head coach, Frank Reich, leads the comeback for the Buffalo Bills against the Houston Oilers down 32 points. They win 41-38 uh, in overtime. The largest playoff uh, deficit ever overcome, of course, not the best one, of course, but the largest no. uh, was, playoff deficit ever, ever overcome. And that's the one where all the fans left the stadium and then were trying to get back in to watch yep. the ending. Well, fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. So uh, what a wild game. I remember I was nine years old 
So I remember not even nine years old. I was I was eight years old. Um, I remember watching that game at my grandparents' house, and like all they just like throwing touchdown at the time. I'm like, what the heck is going on? It was insane. The game was over. It was it was over. Yeah. And then it they came back, and when it was it was it was nuts. Wasn't Frank Reich also the quarterback for the biggest comeback in college football history when he was at I think Florida State? Might be right. I don't know. That that's certainly yeah. possible. Uh, you might be right. I'm gonna have to Google this to double check, but I think I remember hearing that growing up. So that's really interesting. If that's the case, it's too bad that he's such a crappy head coach. But uh, let's see. He was the biggest highlight uh, comeback against the Miami Hurricanes, November 10th, 1984, at the Orange Bowl. Really? Um, let's see. Do they have? To, oh, it was a 31 to nothing lead. Jeez. He played for. Let's see. It was oh, it was against Miami when he there played for Maryland. When he played yeah. for Maryland, that's it. It was a yep. thirty-one nothing halftime lead, and they ended up winning the game forty-two to forty. It was a forty-two to nine second half. Jeez. It, was then, it was then the biggest comeback in NCAA history. It's pretty crazy. Pretty crazy. Frank Reich knows a few a thing or two about coming back, at least as a player. Um, See if he does as a coach. Hey, third time's the charm, right? I suppose you never know. I suppose you never know. Although, did, he did. didn't he have? Was it? Wasn't he the coach, or was it Jeff Saturday? Was the coach for the for the Colts when they had the massive when they blew the massive lead last year? Was Saturday already the coach, and he already Saturday. been fired? I know Saturday, Matt Ryan yeah. was the quarterback. I remember that, that. Was late in the season. That was Saturday. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. No, that was he was gone by then. When he's yeah. he's gotten fired twice here, but it's also the, a Colts organization that. Is still, you know, figuring out what it's doing in a Carolina organization that has David Tepper is a complete disaster. Complete disaster. I I honestly kind of respect the statement he put out. It's just it's basically like, yeah, his statement basically amounts to, yeah, I threw a drink in that person's face. They deserved it, and I'll take the fun. <laughs> That's basically what he said. Um it's crazy. Which is kind of hilarious. But that dude, yeah, I Man, I feel bad for Carolina fans because I don't think it's going to get better down there. It is not. It is not. He's the new Dan Snyder, and it took 20 years for the NFL to get rid of Dan Snyder. So David Tepper's not going anywhere anytime soon. But, you know, we'll see. So anyways, and that's someone tweeted out, like, could you imagine? I think it was Murph tweeted out, like, could you imagine you have Jerry Richardson as an owner who's, like, the worst owner, and you finally get rid of him, and you replace him with someone worse? (laughs) It's like, how is that even possible? But. Here they so are. It's like meddling and stuff too. And yeah, it's uh, bad. It's bad. Well, it's, it's allegedly kind of, they wanted to draft Stroud, which of course they're going to come out. I mean, Frank Wright's going to come out and say, I wanted to draft Stroud, even if he didn't, because he's not an idiot. Like he knew that he was going to get fired. So of course he's going to come out and say that because he wants a job next year. Right. So who knows if that's true or not, but still, even if, even yeah. if that was semi true, it's like he, that can't happen. So no, that was, um, yeah, that's not a great, not a great situation there. And, um, it's kind of remarkable that Carolina's made two Super Bowls in the history of that franchise. And they had a really good 96, right? Didn't they start off super hot? Yeah. Well, they, they made the, they made the NFC Championship in 96. Yeah. Because they made the NFC Championship and the Patriots made, and the Jaguars made the AFC Championship. And they were both oh, three yeah, years and, in. And ended up being Patriots Packers. Yeah. Yep. And then we all know what happened. After that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Anyways, yeah. but all right. if we got a Patriots Panthers Super Bowl in '96 and we got the rematch in '03, that would have been crazy. That would have been really cool. That would have been really cool. Or, the, or imagine if we had gotten a Jaguars Panthers Super Bowl 
in 96 and it would have been the two expansion teams that would have been nuts dude i i still remember i had a book as a kid i was like really little it was like one of the small little picture books it was like introducing you to the nfl and it was like a quick history of the nfl with all the, the big things that had happened yeah and i think the last chapter in it was talking about like the new era and how the jaguars yeah. and panthers had both been successful their first years and looked like ready to take yeah. on the nfl it's crazy man yeah i don't even think it had the texans in it i think this is pre-texans <laughs> Uh, the Patriots won their first Super Bowl before the Texans existed. Oh, the Texans were 0-2. I just don't remember if I yeah. had this. I, I think, no, no, I'm, but I think I'm, I had I'm the saying like it's crazy. I remember getting – I had like one of these like foot, you know, like replica footballs or whatever that said like 31 teams, one champion. And I was like – I remember I found it like two years ago, and I was like, wait, 31? And I was like, oh, my God, that's right. The Patriots won before the Texans existed. Yeah, so, those weird divisions before too. Let me tell you, yeah. the divisional realignment in 02 makes, for the most part, a ton of sense, and they nailed it with that one. Some yes, the, except that the, the Colts are in the AFC South. That's a weird one. The Colts being in the AFC South is strange. And then there's one other team that I'm like, wait, why is that team in the... You, I think it's in theory, the only ones you'd even think about switching around are probably the the Ravens, the Colts, and the Dolphins. But they also did it in a way like you probably like, just right. like cycle the three of them. Um but they, I think they did it in a way to preserve some rivalries there with the Dolphins and the rest of the teams. Well, and that's true. I mean, but it is interesting, though, in 02, when the Patriots and, you know, I guess they had thought about it before Manning and Brady were really a rivalry. But, like, if you had if you had looked at it and said, you know, Manning, if it had happened two years later, then you probably would have kept Manning and Brady in the same division. The Colts would be in the division and and the Dolphins would be down south. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, but well, I also wonder about a circumstance where the Colts end up in the AFC North and the Ravens are the team that replaces them in the East and the Dolphins go to the South. Go to the I South. That, that would have been interesting too. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. it's just, you know, as much as it's also funny because those are like the three teams that kind of come up in that little cycle yeah. and it's also the three teams that during the like during the Brady era seem to give the Patriots the most trouble. It was the three sure. of those. Uh, well, the Colts didn't give them trouble, but they were always involved in something. And then uh, the, the Colts give them trouble off the field, not on it. And then you've got the Broncos as the only other one. That... Well, you know what's interesting is that they feel like – like the Ravens feel like an AFC North team. Like AFC North, like hard-nosed, hard-hitting, right? The Colts feel like an AFC South team. It's like they're like a candy-ass team. Like you just – they're like candy Playing a dome and right. – yeah. It's like, come on, that's the AFC South. And – you know, the, the Dolphins feel like an AFC East team where they, you know, like got beat up by the Patriots for a million years and were like the, you know, could never really get to that pinnacle. I mean, they got to the yeah. Super Bowl a few times and couldn't win it in the 80s, just like the Bills did in the 90s. And, you know, the Jets yeah. made it to the AFC Championship game. So it's like they feel like kind of that third extra AFC East team. So it's just it's yeah. kind of funny how things worked yeah, out that way. It makes it all makes sense, and it's yeah. you know there's something about the AFC East too. That's all the you get the crazy weather because you get the three teams up north and the team down south, and it's like all right, everybody's got to deal with the weather in, in a different way in this division, right? Um, sure. Yeah, there's three yeah, times here where Miami's going to come up north, and they're probably going to have to worry about the cold, and three times where you're going to go down south, and you're going to have to worry about or one time for each of those three teams, you're going to have to worry about the heat and just going to deal with it. Exactly. Uh, yep. Which you know, so. by the way, not looking forward to that for New England next year. You got to do Jacksonville and Miami on the road. And depending mm -hmm. on when they play Tennessee, that could also be a tough one when they play Arizona. San that could Fran. be a hot one. Uh, San Fran, well, usually it it's depends. That, stage, that, that stadium has had issues specifically with the sun and the angle of the sun before. So maybe, yeah, uh, yeah. depending on what so. time of the year they play them. Um, 
And one right. other note on next year's schedule before we wrap up, because I have to have to fit this in there somewhere. They're playing the Texans next year, and the Texans are getting new uniforms between now and next season. We're even announcing really? them at the draft. Yeah. There are apparently going to be four new uniforms, two helmets, or all we know is multiple helmets. And the way it has been described, it almost sounds like each uniform almost has its own color scheme. I don't really know what's going on with it. Apparently, they're reintroducing the like baby blue in some way, and it also sounds like there's going to be a black uniform in there. And I don't, I don't really know what oh, the yeah. plan is there, but I don't really have faith in them doing a good job with it. So <laughs> no, no, Nike has screwed up all the all the all of them. Whatever. It's at the except the, I, I like the Patriots as long as they wear the right pants. <laughs> wear the great pants and you're good. But they don't. That's the problem. So that's a Patriots decision, though. They have them. They just you're right. That's a good. That's a good. Thing. A, I think it's a craft thing because he started shoehorning in the all blue with the old uniform set in 02 as well. Sure. That's true. And then they, they wore they, it once, they, and he was, they were like, "I'm never wearing." It was like, "I'm never wearing it again." Oh, you're right. The, pa- the Packers and the Broncos in 02 got killed at home in both of those games. We never saw that again. <laughs> that's a good point. That's a good point. Uh, Old Bay Mob. Let's hope that the Patriots do exactly what the Texans do and win the draft. That'd be really nice. Okay. So I'm not, I'm not, not that, interested no. in. I like yeah, that. win the draft. That's the yep. that's the plan. Thank you, Old Bay Mob. We love it. Maybe win this weekend and then win the draft. Love it. Amen to that one. So all right, we'll end on that. Thank you. We'll be back Sunday again. We'll do halftime of uh, uh, Sunday Night Football because it's a home game again. That's gonna be a lot of fun. It's gonna be a lot of yeah, fun game. We'll be sitting game, here man. talking about who's gonna win the AFC East uh, while the game's going on. So. Anyways, thanks for tuning in, guys. We appreciate it, and we will talk to you on Sunday night.